Ready for the show today? Big one. Big uh, one. A uh, very big one. I think yeah. it was a very interesting one. And you're all dressed up for it. I am. I mean, it's really nice. Really yeah, nice. Yeah, lingerie. Is that a... It's a... Is that made... Is that lingerie made Macy's, by American yeah. Giant? That's <laughs> oh, a, no. It's it's never a, seen zip-up lingerie before. Don't blame with this on American Giant, yeah. please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, uh, we've got a great show for you today. We're going to lay out a case that was laid out 40 years ago by a KGB ad- agent. And I defy you, defy you, try to find ways to say this isn't what's happening. It'll give you a timeline of where we are in the um, what the KGB was trying to do, destroy America. Um, and it will also give you, I think, the way out, according to the guy who defected to the United States. Uh, great show. Cover all of the big topics today. Don't miss a second of it. It's brought to you by Built Bar. Yeah, this is something that my wife uh, discovered, I think, originally. In our circles, at least. And she started eating Are them. your circles that different than mine? Well, I mean, it, I don't think she, like, invented them. You know, she didn't, like, go to the company and say, you should start making these bars. Right. But she, as far as anyone that I knew, mm-hmm. she was the first to discover them. And then she started eating them all the time. And my and, wife. And then she talked to your wife about it. And then they got into your home. And then they were in your home for a while, and they, they laid dormant. Yeah. Uh, not with my wife. Not with your wife. Just with me. Just with you. Yeah. Your supply was never eaten. Right. Until you were alone. Uh, yeah. And, and, you, uh, and you realized you had no ability to get food. And it was really, really good. By the way, you know, you say Lisa didn't invent them. Uh, guess where I'm going this fall? I'm going to the laboratory at Built Bar. Oh, really? And they're, I told them about a flavor I would like them to make, and they were like, oh, I think we can make that really good. So I'm going. Wow. So it might be a special Glenbeck flip. It'll be the most luxurious <laughs> built bar you'll ever have. This is like the Willy Wonka factory. It go really there? is. Like, gonna, it is. is Built.com. Use the promo code BEC15. You're going to love these things. 100% real chocolate, like a candy bar, but they're 130 calories. Built.com. Built.com. Protein bars for people who don't really like protein bars. BEC15. Save now at Built.com. Here's the podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Let me get into some more good news. Trump is imploring the GOP to focus on crime as midterms near. He says people are afraid to walk outside. And that is true in many parts of the country. And it is working in um, Wisconsin, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Ron Johnson and Mandela Barnes. And the big thing the Johnson campaign has hit Barnes on is his, you know, flirtations, many times overt, with the the defund the police crowd. He, right. did, he did an event with Elon Omar. I mean, like, oh, again, my gosh. I, I, you want to talk about being clueless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they've been hitting him hard on this. And this, especially in Wisconsin, who's gone through a real rough couple of years, <laughs> people might remember this is a situation where it's really damaging Barnes's candidacy, and I think this is the mess- a message that is working across the country. That's just the highest profile example of it. But Johnson's opened up a pretty consistent lead there, and usually Johnson wins when all of the polls say he's down by a couple of points, and then he winds up winning. Uh, now the polls are saying he's up by a few points. Mm. So things look pretty good there for Johnson. Um, also, it looks pretty good in Arizona. CBS, YouGov uh, survey 
uh, shows that Carrie Lake and Katie Hobbs are tied now, 49-49, which I'm surprised by. Especially, I think that'll change, especially since, you know, during the uh, debate, Katie Hobbs was asked, you know, do you have any specific lessons that you might have learned from uh, the Hispanic community? I think is a ridiculous question. It really is a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous question, question. I will say. But uh, no, she couldn't. <laughs> no, nope, she couldn't come up with anything. Uh, she um, she kind of struggled, you know, uh, a bit here and there. And um, and then she said, uh, well, um, uh, I, I, I have a sister in law who's a Latina. And then tried to say a few words in Spanish. <laughs> Didn't go well. Didn't go well. It's funny because so. it is such a random question. You can see. What would being, you say? I would say I don't categorize the lessons I learned by race. Now, I can say that, but she can't no, say she that. No, she can't say that. A Democrat can't say that. A Democrat can't say that. I think that's a totally legitimate response to that yeah. question. Why the hell would I think, you know, what What lessons have I heard learned by from Latinos today? Like, what weirdo thinks that way? Uh, you know, I have actually thought that. I've thought there's a really good lesson to so learn So you're here. the weirdo? I guess that, I'm the weirdo. <laughs> I mean, that way? Uh, you I know, don't think you, you think that way generally. I, no, if I, I, were, I didn't. I wouldn't have thought of it like I've got to learn a lesson. Right. But what have I observed? Mm-hmm. I've observed God and family are oh. center in their families, and their families do pretty well. Mm. You know, they may not be at the top of the economic spectrum in America, but they do pretty well. Their families. They know what their priorities are, and I think that's great. Well, and that, that, that answer also not available to Katie Hobbs. No, she can't no, say she can't that say she that. cares about the nuclear family. No, she can't. <laughs> no, she can't. Mm. Um, all right, so Blake Masters also uh, looks like he's narrowing the lead. Uh, Kelly with 51 and Masters 48. This has been narrowing for weeks. Yep. Uh, they pulled all the money out of Arizona, at least from the McConnell side of things. Which I think was a big mistake. I, you know, I think McConnell does want the majority, so he's going to. He may come back in, but hopefully, uh, d- there are also talks about Peter Thiel, who's been a big supporter of Masters, coming in with a with an influx of cash late in the campaign, which would be really, really helpful right now. Uh, because look, Masters has the debate tonight. This is the big one. Is tonight. Uh, I wish I could get that on TV. That, yeah, Love to watch yeah. I wonder that. if you can. You'd probably get it probably online. Get it online. Yeah, yeah, probably can. And it's a big one because, really, there hasn't been a side by side with Masters and Kelly. And I think the, I think the, Masters might cream him. I think so too. He's pretty smart. Yeah, he, you know, he's, pretty smart. You know, he's a yeah. smart. Yeah, I mean, we talked to him. He's a yeah. smart guy. He's got a, a really good uh, history. You know, we, we works. He was an entrepreneur. Worked inside the tech industry. Kind of like he. I think he's going to be more impressive to Arizona voters than what they the media know. has presented. The oh, media yeah. has presented him as this crazy person, yeah. who's just this lunatic. He's going you know, to come out, his eyes bulging out, and he's going to be yeah. like, you know, doing all these crazy things, and and you know, Mister Election Denial himself. I mean, we've talked to him a bunch of times. That's not him at all. I mean, he just seems like a, a really smart guy that wants to do the best thing for Arizona. So I think that's going to I think him being side by side with Kelly will help if he has a good performance today. Um, Ron DeSantis doing really well. He's doing really well. 11 point lead over Charlie Chris, which really only 11 over Charlie Chris. How, how could you possibly vote for Charlie? Chris I, know, at this I have point? no idea. Now, no idea. An unnamed Democrat. There's plenty of people 
who might support that. But Charlie right. Crist obviously just goes wherever he can try to Charlie Crist, grab power. You could talk Charlie Crist out of supporting himself. Yes, a hundred percent. If it would, it would give him the slightest advantage. He would do it. He, he would, would vote against himself. He would. Um, I also, uh, when you look at this too, this poll is important in that it is, I believe, entirely before. Yes, uh, it the, is the hurricane. Yeah. So, and and he has had rave reviews of uh, the way he's yeah, handled even the President Bar- Biden yesterday. Yeah. You know what's really great about the way he's handled things is, you know, he doesn't dismiss global warming. Oh, wait, what? That's not, <laughs> really? That's not even. That's nothing to okay. do with this. By the way, uh, he has long coattails. The same poll shows three Republicans seeking cabinet post du- double digit leads, double digit leads. Uh, that is, I mean, this is Florida, man. Mm -hmm. This is Florida. That's not a deep red state. Yeah. People forget Ron DeSantis won his, as the governor by 0.4 points. Yeah. He did not run away with that election by any, by any means. In fact, every big statewide election where you think of Republicans, what Rick Scott won very, very narrowly. They, that's, that's the, that's the way this works. You don't win by double digits as a Republican in Florida, Maybe until now. So we have to talk to the woman who is running for uh, the governor of Oregon. I think she might win. Now, she's she's still, um, you know, in the back. Uh, let's see. Chance uh, Christian Drazen, who last week. Oh, my gosh. Last week in four consecutive polls took the lead. Did you know that? Yeah. Now, this is the race we I think we talked about, talked about it briefly yesterday. yesterday. There is an independent gra- grabbing a large chunk of the vote there, almost 20 percent. So it's it's sort of like if you kind of go back to the Ross Perot type of election yeah. where there's a real split here. That, that's the type of thing that hurt George H.W. Bush in uh, back in the day. I think it's helping uh, here, the Republican. And uh, there's a real chance. Here. Can I tell you something? Um, her opponent in a um, uh, in a debate, I think it was yesterday, called for the construction of a meth stabilization center. Uh, she wants safe havens. Well, it's for... called Portland. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've seen this in action over the past couple oh, of years. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, can you imagine that? With with everything that's going on in Oregon, crime, drugs, everything else, you're like. I think we should build a safe haven for meth users. I mean, God help you, Oregon. If 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 that woman wins, you're in deep trouble. This really is the separation between Republicans and Democrats right now. The Democrats want safe havens for meth users. Republicans want safe havens for people who are around, like who <laughs> yeah, have right. to deal with the meth users. Like we, we safe havens. For people. For people. Yeah. You know, they so they don't have to get attacked in the street by the meth users you're trying to give safe spaces to. That, that, should, that should be, that's what it really should be. Safe havens for people who want to go to work, raise their children, not get stabbed, or uh, have their kids die on fentanyl. Yeah. Yeah. That's a safe that, haven. That's a Republican that's, safe haven. <laughs> and I think that, again, that message connects with people right now. Everybody feels this, you know, spinning out of control. No matter what, what major city you live near, when you go down into the middle of it, uh, it seems like no one's really trying anymore to keep you safe. So there is there is hope because because of that. Real hope. But I, I showed a chalkboard last night. I'm going to talk about it here in about 15 minutes. Um, and you can find it at Blaze TV. It's a really important 
show. And I think it's not just sobering. It also gives you the answer. Okay, because the guy who made this chalkboard 40 years ago, he was with the KGB. He said, here's how you do it from the inside, because we were going to do it. So here's how the Soviet Union, this is before the the, the, uh, the Soviet Union collapsed. He said, here's the plan. And I got to tell you, I'm not saying the Soviets are doing it or, you know, the Russians are doing it, although um, they'll pile on. Um, but it is exactly what is happening to us. And he said it's a 20-year plan. And the only flaw, the only way this can be stopped, and I'm going to let him tell you uh, next hour via videotape, he's long dead. But it is, it's an, it's an answer you know. It's an answer you know. And it's an answer that everyone's like, yeah, it will. Yeah, it will. This was the thing that the Soviets felt was their biggest danger in this. Um, uh, also it, it is, it's remarkable as a timeline because they said it was a 15 to 20 year plan. How long have we been going through this too? Really? Mm. It's like September 11th, right after that. Um, it's about a 20 year plan. And he said that has to, it has to be 20 years cause it has to get the next generation. It has to be in the schools, and the kids have to be demoralized and confused and uh, everything that our kids are right now. And he said, because that generation is the one who's really going to push it through. Um, and uh, he, he laid out four steps, and I showed it last night on TV, four steps. And we are at the end of the third step. And the fourth step is totalitarianism. And there's different ways that can go, but totalitarianism. So there's really only three steps to disaster. And we are at that line of disaster. This is like last call, last call. It's so important that you hear it. And I think it will give you great hope. At least it does me. I'm debating on whether I should tell you a story. I'm going to think about it. There's something that um, something that's very personal uh, uh, to me um, that happened to me about two years ago. And while it was terrifying to think about it at the beginning, it actually totally changed my perspective. And by the end of a conversation, I was like, I feel so much better. I, I, I like really have hope. Um, let me think on that, but I think this will give you hope. I really do. Uh, so you can watch it on blaze TV. Join us, please. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm almost out of time. Uh, there is, I don't know if you saw this, this came out September 30th, uh, a consortium of four private groups worked with the department of Homeland security and, uh, and department of state, to censor massive numbers of social media posts they considered misinformation during the 2020 election. Then its members got rewarded with millions of federal dollars from the Biden administration. The Election Integrity Partnership is back in action again for the midterm elections. 
raising concerns among people who believe in, I don't know, freedom, that a chilling new form of public-private partnership to evade the First Amendment prohibition of government censorship may be expanding. What they did in 2020 is they set up this service that allowed federal agencies like Homeland Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, which I've never even heard of, and the state's Global in, uh, Engagement Center to file tickets. They could go to this public-private thing, and the government agencies could say, um, I want to write a ticket. That's misinformation. You should remove it. And they would. They also, listen to this, they also gave or empowered with federal agency-like power to the Democratic National Committee, Common Cause, and the NAACP. So they could write tickets as well and have people censored. We were on that list. Uh, and I was specifically named. Um, I want you to know. It's a matter of time. Please, it is so important. And I know you're I know how hard you work for your money and I know every dollar counts. But if you believe we can help you through things, please subscribe to Blaze TV and do it now. We are in a place where we are going to have to have you with us. Uh, join us if you can. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn and the promo code is Glenn. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Promo code Glenn and save. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. This is the Glenn Beck program. Glad you joined us. Stu, can you just quickly recap where we are? Sure. Uh, Basically, everything you've noticed about your society when you've asked the question, what is going on right now? I mean, what is is happening? Was essentially laid out by a KGB agent in 1983 as a plan to overturn and destroy America. Okay. And I'm not saying that the Russians are doing this to the communists. It is, it, but it is being used by someone, and everybody's kind of playing into it that would like to see us done. Right, and even if you look at it this way, the Soviet Union was our enemy, mm-hmm. and they were trying to construct a plan that would destroy a juggernaut, Correct. the United States of America. Correct. Just because they are not behind it anymore, they are not even a country anymore, uh, does not mean that the 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 plan that they had to destroy the country was not accurate. And mm-hmm. so even if these things begin from internal forces, other foreign sources, naturally, whatever, if this plan is enacted, the likely effect is outlined uh, by this agent in the same way that if, if right. it was intentional by the Soviet Union. So there are only four steps. We are at the third and the last step in the third um, and I think if you've missed any of the program, go back and listen to the podcast or watch it on the chalkboard. Uh, I did it last night on TV. Uh, you, I challenge you to take it apart. I challenge you to say we're not there. That's blazetv.com slash Glenn if you want to check it out. Um, now, the last piece is societal collapse. The model from the KGB agent 40 years ago then says the country would call out for a savior They'd be willing to give up rights and figure uh, and freedoms just to make the pain stop. The free society would shift to central control. Now, we're not here because we haven't had societal collapse. But everything up to that point, we have experienced and are currently experiencing, and it's getting worse. So 
you are one if you're looking for a a mile marker you're in the last mile all of these things that he said would take 20 years and wow it's been about 20 years all of these things we have now passed we are in the last mile before societal collapse this is critical that you understand that based on his solution because if we hit the next mile which is the collapse it's too late so time is of the essence but in societal collapse he said that that would trigger two possible outcomes civil war demoralized and fractured society would turn on itself neighbor and against neighbor family member against family member and it would end in an authoritarian rule because somebody will stop the madness and it will cost a lot of blood. So once you hit societal collapse, they don't believe that there is any going back from there. The other, and this was their plan, was foreign invasion, that the country is so focused internally and no social contract to get anything done, it would be open for an uh, a uh, outside power to come in and saying, we're just got to keep the peace here, my gosh, and take over the country, okay? This is why they were so focused on executing this plan, because if you want to destroy a country without firing a shot, this is how you do it. Now, the question is, can you put the toothpaste back into the tube he said he said something really important because in the fourth stage this is the last one it's called normalization so a civil war has taken place hostile nation has been repelled but an authoritarian centrally controlled government is what we have and the new self-appointed rules uh, rulers will be busy saying to their subjects okay enough revolutions okay we don't need those anymore. And anybody who is talking about that kind of stuff. So the destabilizers are the first ones on the chopping block. We know this through history, the light night of long knives. You take the tools that were destabilizing that you used and you get rid of all of those guys. They destabilize society by force. People like me as well. And though I'm not a destabilizer, I ain't going down quietly. So the useful idiots will no longer be needed. All their causes, all the social justice issues, all the calls for equality will be silenced. And the destabilizers who were legitimized, praised, funded, will be cast out or eliminated. Everything they fought for, everything they believed in, will end up being their demise. It would topple a country, but it gives birth to a monster. Now, historically... They said there is only one way to reverse this. One. And it has to be done before societal collapse. Because you get a ruler, and even if we go through ruler after ruler, like Pinochet of Chile, and he, there's authoritarians, and then he steps in, and he overthrows the authoritarian, but he's an authoritarian, that just keeps. So what do we do? What is the one thing? Now, the man who you're going to hear is Yuri Bezmenov. This is 1983. He defected to the West. The most difficult. He was a Soviet KGB officer. 
He was specifically tasked for propaganda and subversion. It was Yuri that told us the plan to destroy. This is his plan. It's not a conspiracy theory. These are his words, not mine. This is what he says could stop it. The most difficult and at the same time the simplest answer to the subversion is to start it here and even before. By bringing back the society to religion. Something that you cannot touch and eat and put on yourself. But something that rules society and makes it move and preserve it. You have that? You have to start at the beginning. The first thing that they took apart was religion. Why? Because they knew if they can't kick the legs out of religion, they can't pull the plan off. Because religious people will take a, 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 a rifle butt to the head. And they, look at what Martin Luther King did. That was a religious movement. And then they will stand up and they will forgive you. They will be thrown in jail. And they're okay with that. The most dangerous thing, do you remember during the war, what we said we just couldn't have? A martyr. So religious people don't mind being a martyr if they believe they're on the right side. And a martyr is incredibly dangerous. So what do we have to do to fight this in our society? A, you have to do everything that a good citizen is supposed to do, and that is vote and obey the laws. Okay? Vote and obey the laws. But as important, I mean, that's a given. You have to do that. The most important thing you can do is renew your covenants with God. Read about peaceful resistance. You can find it from a cat named Jesus. Or if you can't connect there, how about Gandhi? You can't connect there, how about Martin Luther King? This is the only way to stop this from happening. That's not me saying that. That's a godless KGB agent. Is, and obviously, like... That stuff can come off as, uh, I don't know, too, you know, spiritual and, and, and hard to access for some people. But pragmatically, the, the, the thought here is that what he says, he says he, it's something that you can't wear, you can't touch. It's like people stand up against these things because they believe they're right, despite what it might mean to them. Correct. They will stand up for something that can't be defeated. So let me talk as an alcoholic. There's a higher source than man. There's a, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a greater power than me or you or all of us as a collective. There is a greater power. And I've done everything I can and am doing everything I can to conquer the things that need to be conquered. But every time I try it, I screw it up. So I surrender to the only power that can correct it. You can look at that as the, the power of eternal truth. There are eternal truths. 
a male and a female make a baby. A female and a female do not make a baby. Stand for eternal truth. So the, the scientists of the world can return back to the God of eternal truth. I believe there's an author of that. You don't have to. It's fine. Just a higher power of truth. And stand for it. If your pastors, preachers, your science professors are not telling you to stand for the truth, anyone who says, don't question this, they don't have the truth on their side. That's why they have to tell you, don't question. The, the scriptures tell us all the time, God says, prove me now, prove me. He wants you to challenge him. He wants you to know he is truth. Anyone who says, if God says, prove me here, prove me now. Who is this man who is telling us not to question? God is not afraid. God, I tell you right now, I know this to be true because I've seen it. The heavens are engaged. They know. God knows you and what is happening in your life. Forget all of the fear because it doesn't come from him. Forget the fear. You will feel so much better when you're like, you know what? I can't do anything. I can't do anything about this. God, what do you want me to do? And then don't say, well, that's too small. Well, that's a, or when he says, do this, don't argue with him. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, what do you want? Don't counsel him. Ask for his counsel. And just do it. Just stand for what is right. And by the way, if God is telling you to do something that you that 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 does not coincide with the teachings of Christ, um, that's not God telling you to do that. We must all be Christ-like. If we are to save the country, I'm, I'm calling on all people who look to God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am calling on you now. You must find him. Return, serve him, ask for forgiveness, and stand. The best of the Glenn Beck Program. You know, it's things are so insane now. You'd be driving down and you could look at a billboard and you would go, that's got to be real. Um, for instance, um, a billboard that says protect pregnant men from climate discrimination. Open the jails, open the borders, close the schools, vote progressive this November. Violent criminals deserve our compassion and respect. This fall stands strong for progressive values. Uh, vote to keep our borders, jails, and bathrooms open. Vote progressive. I mean, this this is this is the kind of stuff that you could you would go. Is that real or not? They're starting to say the quiet part out loud a little bit. Yeah. If you don't like being audited, then you're the problem. 
around. <laughs> this, these are all coming from uh, Citizens for Sanity. And they're also running some very powerful ads uh, in different parts of the country. We play uh, that last one here. Joe Biden and the radical left have lost their minds. They think men can become pregnant. Do you believe then that men can become pregnant? Yes. A Supreme Court justice can't even define what a woman is. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? I can't. So-called medical professionals claim that innocent little babies are secretly transgender from the moment they are born. They knew from the minute they were born. The woke left will prosecute parents who try to protect their kids from this madness. They're criminally liable if they don't do so. Are you paying attention yet? Stop the radical left's assault on our kids. Stop the insanity. Ian Pryor is uh, joining us now. He's a senior strategist for Citizens for Sanity and the executive director for Fight for Schools. Uh, welcome, Ian. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Glenn. <laughs> so, you know, all of these things 10 years ago would have all been the B, would have all been on the Babylon B. And we all would have stood shoulder to shoulder against this insanity because I, I contend every American knows this is insane. Um, what is the effect of these billboards, if you've been able to measure it at all, and of some of the ads where you're just asking, are you awake yet? Yeah, well, I can tell you on the billboards, it's really interesting. When we first started this billboard campaign, you know, I think in, in late July, early August, it's a lot of confusion. You know, you're looking online, you're looking on social media, people are saying, wow, the, the left has really lost their mind, you know, the, the, the far woke left. We have to stop these Citizens for Sanity people. Um, but I think as, as it's progressed and as more billboards have gone up, you know, a greater percentage of people are saying, oh, this is amazing. You know, this is what you have to do. Now, you still have some people that, that think this is coming from the left, but that's kind of the point. <laughs> right. As, as you said, this is saying the quiet part out loud. These yeah. are the things that, you know, the woke left they're going to dress all of these concepts and these crazy ideas up with, with these talking points. But in reality, this is what we are talking about. You know, protect pregnant men from climate discrimination. They can't argue it because that's what they want to do. Now, of yeah. course, we know there's no such thing as a pregnant man, and who knows what climate discrimination is, but that doesn't <laughs> stop them right. from, I, from pushing these concepts. I will tell you, I think... We are at a place, and we better get there if we're not there yet. We better get there pretty darn quickly. Um, we're at a place to where the words that they say are killing them because none of it's laughable. The things, if it wasn't so serious, they'd be a laughing stock. And comedians are starting to come after them hard. Yeah, that's right. And it's encouraging actually seeing some of these these comedians now, you know. They may not be conservative. They may be traditional liberals, but yeah. they're going after this pretty hard in, in some of their specials. So that's been encouraging. Uh, you know, I, I'll tell you that as you see this, you know, so many people aren't necessarily tuned into these issues like you or I are. Right. They they may see a little bit on the news. And, and again, it's going to be washed out in these talking points. But when you really kind of hit them with this language, it's because it's satirical, it, it lets people's guard down a little bit and they have to actually think about it and say, what am I reading? Is this, what is a, what is going on here? And that causes them, you're not just, you know, shoving it down their face and saying, you need to think this way, or you need to not think this way. You're just putting it out there and letting people come to their own conclusions. Yeah. 
And that's really the best way to start moving people back in the right direction of common sense and away from this woke insanity. So when you're on Twitter um, with some of these things and billboard companies and TV, are you being uh, banned from anything? Are you being hassled by any of it? You know, we haven't yet. Uh, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's still time and, and, you know, knock on wood there. But I think when, you know, we're getting a lot of great reaction, especially on social media. You played that that gender ad. I mean, what's going on with with schools and the, you know, quote unquote, gender affirming care industry, which let's be honest, it's give kids puberty blockers, give them cross sex hormones double mastectomies, and then they're going to be on medical care for the rest of their lives and in all likelihood regretting it three, four, five years down the line. They're saying so that this 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 year it will be a $5 billion industry. This year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you look at, you know, some of these, these hospitals that are providing this, you look at the amount of money, you know, the, the Daily Wire did a report, I think it was uh, Matt Walsh, where you had somebody at the at the Vanderbilt Medical Center saying, yeah. you know, there's big money in this. I mean, clearly there's big money in this. And that is a lot of what's driving it. But what's also driving it is, you know, you've got these sort of woke white wine leftists that they just want to be part of the, the, the next civil rights movement. So in, instead of talking about something in reality, which is, look, these are these are people that may be going through some trouble. We don't want to guide them into a hell of life. No, no, they want to be part, they want a virtue signal to everybody about how great they are and how they're part of this next progressive movement, which is, you know, destroying lives. So can I, can I ask you, because you were in the Trump administration, you were at the DOJ under Trump. Um, you were the, I think, Deputy Director of Public Affairs at the Department of Justice, correct? Yes, that's yeah. right. Um, can I switch topics here a, a bit? Sure. First, with this question. Were you uh, because Trump, this is the way Trump makes his points a lot of times. So if people don't understand that he's funny, they've missed a great comedy show. Um, it, it, did this it, did Trump rub off on you or were you always like this with these kinds of ads? <laughs> you know, I think I was always somewhat like this. You know, you look at sort of the, the absurdity of life. It didn't necessarily get into the mainstream, but, you know, political correctness has been around for for years now. And, and you look at these things and, you know, sometimes you find yourself and, and I certainly did over the course of my life. You fall into the trap a little bit where you start changing your language mm-hmm. uh, to, to really accommodate people. But then as you start to see what that has gotten us, you realize, well, wait, you know, we've all fallen into the trap, too. Uh, so I think over the past couple of years, as this stuff has really gotten mainlined in society, that, it, you know, it becomes something where you need to push back. You need to reframe the way you talk about things, the way you think about things. Don't fall into the definitions that the woke left wants you to speak in. You need to be honest. You need to be direct. And you can't pull any punches. When you were at the Department of Justice under Trump, did you see, I mean, because it's been completely, I believe, completely lost now. The Department of Justice in Washington is just a cesspool. Um, did you see that kind of stuff when you were there? Well, you know, back in, in 2017 and 2018, certainly you had the, the Russiagate hoax. Um, you had the Mueller investigation. But really the priorities of, of DOJ at that time were things like you know, cutting down on opioid deaths, um, 
you know, ensuring that law enforcement had support, making sure that law enforcement and prosecutors were charging people appropriately, things that, you know, law enforcement and the Justice Department is supposed to do. Now we've seen a complete shift. I mean, you go back to Merrick Garland just about a year ago saying, all right, well, we're going to mobilize the FBI and U.S. attorneys against parents. You know, I say that when we were when I was at DOJ, we used to go after MS-13. Under Merrick Garland, they want to go after parents of 13-year-olds. Right. Uh, is it salvageable, do you think, or does it just need to be fumigated? Well, I think it's going to take really strong leadership in, in a Republican administration to go into the Department of Justice and not continue to do things as, they, as things have been done really over the past 30 years. Um, this isn't necessarily just a Republican or a Democrat thing. You know, ultimately, you have you have people that are career officials that are so embedded into these institutions that they have they have a lot of power. And when you have political appointees come in and try and make changes, you know, they are stopped at every step of the way, whether it's uh, implicit or explicit. So you're going to really need somebody that goes in there and says, we're going to clean things up. We're going to change this institution from the ground up. It's going to take strong leadership. Uh, Ian, um, thank you so much for everything that you're doing. Senior strategist, Citizens for Sanity, uh, and also the executive director for Fight for Schools. I, I think the last time you were on, we were talking about Loudoun County because you, you played a role there, did you not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Last year, uh, was it was crazy out here. But, you know, I think I think what happened out here in Loudoun County really, really was, was what resulted in change in Richmond and Virginia. So, you know, I think parents out here are encouraged. We've got a long way to go, but we're still fighting. That's good. That's good. Thank you so much. Is there any, anything we can do to help you? Uh, I keep spreading the message. All right. That's the best way to help us. Good. Uh, you follow them uh, and, uh, and, and just retweet. I think they're hysterical tweets. Forsanity.org. Forsanity.org. Uh, you can also follow Ian at Ian Pryor uh, on Twitter. Na, 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 na.